John chapter 4, beginning with verse 7. It says, Beloved, and I love it when the Word of God speaks to me that way. Beloved, let us love one another. For love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. In this, the love of God has been made manifest, visible among us, that God sent His only Son into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation, the covering, the rescue, the remedy for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and His love is perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us, because He has given us His Spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent His Son to be the Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God so that we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. And by this is love perfected with us so that we may have confidence for the day of judgment that he who is also in that he, because as he is, so also are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, and hates his brother, He is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has whom for he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him whoever loves God must also love his brother. Let's pray together. Our heavenly Father, we ask for you to take this word and move it beyond our ears, but to our heart, and beyond our heart to the actions of our life. Lord, we want to hear your voice and do your will. We want to understand what your patterns, your priority, and your purpose is in this passage. Help us to do this. We pray this in your name. Amen. All right, quick question, show of hands. Is anyone uh, buying a vehicle for somebody for Christmas? Just raise your hand. I promise I won't tell anybody. Uh, so if, you, if you're doing that, uh, they're going to love that gift. Some of you are looking next to the person sitting next to you and saying, are you? I, I, I'm kind of wondering. I've been dropping hints. I'm a size truck uh, is, is, is what, what you want to say. Uh, now, just in case you're doing that, the, the bow, I, I've checked on them. Those bows run between 400 and 
$500. Uh, that's the bow. Uh, now, maybe you just get someone the bow and you don't get them the car. I don't know how that goes at all. Uh, but if you do get somebody a vehicle, if you get that for a child or for a grandchild, boy, they are going to be excited. I'm just telling you, I'm not telling you you have to, but they're going to like it. Uh, I, I can tell you, they're, they're, they're going to love that gift, and there's going to be an awful lot of commotion. But, but probably, if you give that kind of gift, you're also going to have, once the commotion is over, you're going to have a couple of important questions or important conversations. You're, you're going to spend a few minutes talking about some vehicle safety. You're going to talk about the rules of the road, and you're going to talk about the speed limit, and you're going to talk uh, about, about just being safe in that vehicle. You, you might also spend a few minutes talking about places where you should go with that vehicle, and maybe some places where you shouldn't go with that vehicle. You, you might have some conversations uh, about who should ride in that vehicle with you and who should not ride in that uh, vehicle. Though Those are the kinds of conversations that, that you are likely to have about that vehicle. And, and those are really good conversations to have, uh, but you're also going to have some practical conversations. Well, one of the practical conversations that you're going to have is the importance of checking the oil. You're going to say, listen, you've you got to check this every once in a while. It, it seems like a, not a big deal. It's just that tiny little stick, and, and does it really, really matter? You're going to explain to them, yes, it really, really does matter. The, the functioning of that vehicle, the functioning of that engine rests on the presence of that oil. If you do not have that oil in that engine, it seizes up not just for 10 minutes, it seizes up forever. It goes up in smoke. It no longer functions. It is central to the operation of that vehicle. Almost as central as love is to the operation of our lives. If we do not have love, then not to stretch it too far, but our lives, our relationships, even our walk with God seizes up and can no longer function the way that it needs to function. Now, why do I mention this to you this morning? Well, if you were kind of reading along when I was reading, you, you might have noticed this emphasis in the passage of Scripture. Uh, here, here's a, a picture of the, the text that we just read a few minutes ago. All the highlighted words are the words that deal with love. Now, again, it's not really complicated to know what this passage of Scripture is about. It's about love. It, it's about how central love is to our lives, to our relationships, and to our walk with God. It's been a little bit of a challenge this week to try to unpack all of that because there's a part of me that says every time the word love or beloved or, or, or loved is in there, I kind of feel like I need to have a whole separate point for each one of those words. It would take us a little while to get through that today. Don't worry, we will get to watch some football this afternoon. Uh, but it's so central to this. Now, as we take a look at this, here's the thing about love. Love is everywhere. 
Love is, is everywhere. We, we, we see that word. We see that concept everywhere. I, I want to do just a, a quick little exercise together this morning. If you'll take out your, your phone uh, this morning, what, what I want you to do is I want you to kind of open that phone. I want you to go to the messages section on your phone and kind of pull down. If you pull down just a little bit, there's a search at the top. Okay, you with me? All right. Uh, the search at the top, I want you to type in the word love. Just see how much you've talked about love uh, on your phone. Well, when I looked this up yesterday, because I didn't want to be surprised by what I found on my own phone, uh, I found a couple of things. I talked about how someone does not love their dog. Uh, that was one of the messages that was, that was in my, my phone. Uh, another one of the things that I saw is that I was talking about the World Series with my brother. And I talked about, oh, I love this baseball player, and I, and I love this baseball player, and, and, I, and I, I don't really like that baseball player, and I, I don't like that baseball player either. Uh, other folks, uh, I invited to be part of something or to, be, to participate in something, and I said, I would love to be there, or I would love to be there, but I can't be there. Did, did you find some references to love on your phone? If you don't find them there, you, you can switch over to some social media, and you can see all of the places that you have either tapped the little heart button on their message or on their post, or, or they tapped it on your post and, and your message. Now, now, go ahead and put your phones away uh, just to do that. But um, thank you. appreciate that. Um, so there's a sense in which love is everywhere. But there's another sense in which it seems as though love is nowhere. Love is nowhere. Think back to your last week, your last seven days. Have there been any places, circumstances, situations that were a little short on love? Were there any times, situations, moments, experiences, conversations that really could have gone better if there had been more love involved in that moment? If you think beyond yourself and you think globally, are there any situations that you've seen in the world around us where you could just look at that and say, boy, it would be a better situation if there was more love? I think we talked about this a few weeks ago. This world is parched for love. And so this passage of Scripture comes to us and says, listen, love is central to everything that we do. And we see the Word, we use the Word all the way around us, and yet this world seems absolutely parched for love. How do we find it? Where, where do we go? What do we, what do, we do about this? I want us to take a look at this passage, and what I want us to do is I want us to see why love matters so much. Why is it so central? Why is it the thing that keeps us from seizing up? Why is it what keeps us going in terms of our own lives, our relationships, and even our walk with God? So let's dig in and let's see that. Uh, the first thing I want you to know is that love tells us about ourselves. Love tells us 
about ourselves. In verse 7, right off the bat, it says, let us love one another. It is an invitation more than that. It is an assignment. It is a calling to our lives. It says, you know what kind of people we need to be? We need to be the kind of people who love one another. And then it moves to a statement, a diagnostic statement. The next thing that it does is immediately says, because people who love are in God and know God. That's a diagnostic statement. That tells me something about myself. If I am a person who loves, then man, I am in God. I have an active relationship with God. God is in me, and I know God. And then the next sentence, and it repeats it later on in the passage, it says, now, if you do not love, if love is absent from your life, then, then you do not know God. God is not at work inside of you. And so here it is right at the top of the passage. There is this diagnostic statement. There is a revealing of who I am. I can look at this one central topic, this one central theme, look at my life and see where I stand. Is there the presence the activity, the echo of the love of God in my life. If there is, then I am in God and I know God. If there isn't, then this tells me that my life is not where it's supposed to be. Now, this is really interesting because God has chosen of all the things in the world, all the things that I could do, be, and, and, and be a part of, He has said His love. He said, love is the diagnostic. Love is the revealer of where my heart is in terms of my relationship with God. Now, that's kind of strange. Because I could kind of list a whole bunch of other things that I would think, oh, maybe that's, that's more important. We could say, you know, a person who prays a ton. We could say a person who teaches a Sunday school class. We could say a person who tells people about Jesus. We could say a person who gives, a person who, who, a person who finds ways to lead other people, a person who reads Scripture all day long. Now that's what a person looks like who knows and loves God. But it doesn't say that. It says that the diagnostic, the revealer of where we stand with God, it's not any of those things. It's love. Now, I do have to point out that all of those things can be and should be expressions of love. But if they just become, if they just become hollow shells that do not, are not driven by love, then what God says is, you don't know me. You, 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 don't, know my, you don't know my heart. You're not in me in that way. This is really a profound truth because when we talk about love as the diagnostic, love as the revealer of where we are, love keeps our faith practical. What it does is it makes sure that our faith 
is not a squishy, fuzzy bunch of words and good thoughts and ideas. Instead, it's practical. In fact, if you take a look at the last couple of verses in the chapter, uh, the last couple of verses in our passage here, one of the things it says is, listen, because God loves us, we ought to love our neighbor. And then he says, listen, if you can't love your neighbor, if you can't love your brother, if you, you can't love the person that you work with, you can't love the person who's, who's most directly close to you, if you can't love that person who you can see, how are you going to love God that you can't see? If it doesn't start with this practical, measurable reaction to the person who's around you, how is it that you say, I don't like people, but I love God? I don't love the people around me, but I love God. Love makes sure that our faith is practical and real. Now, to apply this, we have to understand what, what real love is. And, and we have to know that real love is not the things that I like the most. You know, you can make a list. These are the things that I love. Love is not the things that make me the most happy. The truth is, real love, true love, are the things that I'm most willing to sacrifice for. The things that I'm most willing to sacrifice for. If you notice here in verse 10 and verse 11, the passage of Scripture says, and this is love. Well, you ought to pay attention. If you get a definition from God on the very pages of your Bible that says this is love, you ought to mark that down because it's telling you what love is. And what he says is this is love that God sent His Son to us to be the forgiveness, the healing, the rescue for our sins. This is love. God came here, dwelt among us in order to sacrifice Himself for us, to rescue us from sin to rescue us in our brokenness, to rescue us in our rebellion, to rescue us in the worst moments of our life. He did that by sacrificing himself for us. And so when you hear God talk about love, this is what he's talking about, because he says this is love, that you sacrifice yourself, that you lay your life down for the well-being the goodness, the healing of people around us. You see, that's what makes love difficult is because it is putting the needs of someone else in front of us. It is inconveniencing us. It is rearranging our life so that we don't just do the things that appeal most to me. Love tells us about ourselves. We can see where we stand. I would also tell you that love connects us to God. Love connects us to God. Now, one of the things that this passage of Scripture says is, he says is that God is unseen. No one has seen God. That's a bit of a challenge for us, isn't it? 
We, we, we live by faith. We believe. We pray to God. We, we, we design our lives to try to honor and please God. And that's hard sometimes because God is unseen. And it's hard sometimes to, to live by faith, lifting up our, our lives, our words, and our prayers to a figure that we cannot see. In fact, it, it's been an issue as we, we try to share our faith with other people to try to explain to them why we should live for someone that, that, that we've never seen with our own eyes. Now the thing about it is, is that Jesus actually addressed this same question. In talking to Nicodemus one night, he, he talks about the fact that we've not seen God. He says, but you haven't seen the wind either. But you know that the wind exists because you can see the things that the wind does. So in the same way, we don't necessarily see God, but we can see what God does. He is unseen, but he's not unknown. Because we can see what God has done in this world. We can see what God is doing in this moment. We can see what God is doing in my life. We can see what God is doing in the life of somebody else. We see that. But what this passage of Scripture tells us is that even though God is unseen, when we love one another, according to verses 12 and 13, when we love one another... That's when we can see the wind blow the most. When we love one another is when we see. It, it tells us that when we love one another, he abides in us. When we love one another, that's when we experience his presence. That's when he abides in us. That's when he is most real to us while we are loving one another. So if there's a possibility in your life that God seems distant, it may be that God seems away and unseen. One of the ways in which to experience that closeness with God freshly and growing is to love one another. He says when we love one another, He abides with us. In a couple of months' time, Susan and I are making a trip to Florida. It'll be my first trip to, to Florida since my dad passed away in May. My mom passed away a couple of years ago. So we're going to Florida, and my parents don't live there anymore. But in a way, that's kind of the point. We're going to Florida because we're going to go visit the places where I used to be with my parents. We're going to drive by the places where we used to live. We're going to drive by the places where I used to spend time with them. We're going to drive by the places where, where we used to eat together, to drive by the places that we talked about. And in visiting those places, being on those roads and stopping in those places, there will be a sense in which, which I'll be able to reconnect to, with my parents. It's the same way when we love, we can experience that presence of God because God is love. God loves us. God calls on us to love others. So when we love, then we are, when we love more like him, then we know him more. 
We are thinking like he thinks. We are doing his work. We are being his representatives. So when we love, he abides with us. And just like when I drive down that road that I used to drive down with my parents, and I feel closer to them, when I do the work that God wants done, when I express the character that God carries, then I know him better. Thinking in the days ahead for the week that's coming, what would it look like if for the next several days, everywhere you went, Jesus was either right in front of you or right behind you? And I don't just mean the presence of Jesus. No, I mean physical Jesus. Earthly, walking this earth, Jesus. And so basically what I'm saying is either he's in front of you or he's behind you. He's next to you. In other words, he's going to go see all the same people that you're going to see. He's going to be in all the same environments that you're going to be. He's going to be in all the same situations that you're going to be. And when Jesus shows up into those places, he's going to pour out love in those places. The conversations that he is going to have, the things that he's going to notice, the rearranging of his life and his schedule that he's going to do is going to be entirely driven on love. And so as you go to your workplace, as you go to your school, as you hang out with your family, as you go to whatever store it is that you go to, if Jesus was in that exact same spot, how would he pour love into that situation? If we can begin to think and to see that way, then we will get to learn to love like him, and then we will experience that abiding of God inside of us. But when we love, it connects us with God. The, the, the last piece here is that love changes us. Love uh, changes us. Listen, uh, you know, you, you may or may not need me to tell you this. Um, love isn't easy. It's challenging. It's difficult. By its very nature, it is saying empty yourself and put somebody first other than yourself. It is rearranging our life in moments that we don't want to rearrange our life. It's not easy. It's challenging. It's hard to do it for the duration. It's difficult to do it when we're drained and worn out. But this is the thing that I love about this passage. It says that when we love one another, His love is perfected in us. When we love one another, love is perfected in us. You know, one of my regrets in life is I never learned how to throw a curveball. I would like to have learned how to throw a curveball. I think I would be a much cooler person today if I knew how to throw a curveball. I never quite could get the right grip on it. I never knew quite how tight 
to hold it. I, I certainly never developed the ability to snap my wrist the way it was. I, I never twisted my elbow 180 degrees uh, around. I, I never was able to do that. I'd be a much cooler person with a great 12-6 uh, curveball. But the truth is I never really tried that hard. I never really spent hours doing it. And so part of the reason why I don't have a great curveball um, is because I never really worked at it. But, but, but here's the thing. This passage of Scripture is telling us that when we love one another, when we put that effort at it, when we invest ourselves in that, this thing that's hard, he comes along and he perfects it inside of us. He didn't make that promise with my curveball. He didn't say, listen, if you try the curveball for a little bit and you keep working at it, he says, I will perfect it in you. He never said that. But he does say, if you will love one another, if you will love the people around you, somehow God is going to come and empower that inside of us. And he will perfect it inside of us beyond our own ability to love. That's pretty amazing. There's one other piece that, that, that's in here in terms of love changes my life. This passage of Scripture also tells us that when we love one another, we can live fearless. When we love one another, we can live fearless. Did you see it in the passage? It, it says that love casts out fear. It, it says that love and fear cannot coexist. And when the two of them try to show up at the same time in the same place, love casts out fear. It sends it away. I can't show you data or proof, but I know I'm right. We live in the most anxious generation of history. I think we know that. I certainly know that and experience that myself. Anxiety, fear. And what the Word of God says is that the love of God, when we love, it casts out fear. It casts out anxiety. How does that work? I don't know. It has something to do with trust. We have to trust in order to love. When we don't trust, we're full of fear. I know these things. Not because of study, but because I just personal experience. I know these things. And one of the things that God says, listen, if you will love like he loves sacrificially, if you will love, he will cast out fear. He will cast out anxiety. And you can live a more fearless life because you love.
What's the application for us today? There's several obvious to examine our own lives and to see where we are in terms of a measure of love, to say, am I where I think I'm supposed to be spiritually? If you look at my life, do you see the presence of love? If I see the presence of love, I, I know I know God, and God is at work inside of me. But if I don't, then, man, I'm not where I'm supposed to be spiritually. Would you think as you go into this week, if Jesus walked right next to you, in front of you, behind you, to the same circumstances, the same situations, how, how would he pour out love in that situation? How can you pour out love in that situation? But there's one thing that is really the heart of this passage that we didn't really even really pay attention to. This passage has a call that we're supposed to love one another. This passage also calls on us to love God. But in the middle of this passage it says, but that's not the headline. That's not the biggest deal. That's not the heart of this passage. The heart of this passage as we talk about love is not loving one another. It's not even us loving God. But the heart of this passage, the most amazing thing in this passage, is that God loved us. He says this is love. Not that we loved him, but that he loves us. You are loved by God. Today, today, in the middle of whatever it is you're in the middle of, you are loved by God. I want you to know that He expresses that love because He came to rescue us. He came to redeem us and to forgive us our sins. That's that big word in the middle of that passage that he came as a propitiation for our sins, the covering, the rescue of our sins. That's how much he loves you. Now, I want you to know that in your head. And I want you to feel that in your heart. But I also want you to know that there's a response in your life. But there's a time in which we say to him, I receive your love. I receive your forgiveness. And I want to live under your authority and under your grace. Sometimes we, we use the language that that's the time that we become a Christian, that we become a follower of Christ. It is the moment in which we receive that love and that rescue and that forgiveness of sin. If you're here today, I want you to love the person that's around you. And I want you to love God. But more than anything else, I want you to know that He loves you. And He came and sacrificed Himself to rescue your life from sin. And if you've never said 
yes to receive that, then you can do that right now in this moment. It may even feel just a little bit silly or hokey to have that kind of conversation with a God that you can't see, but I want you to know that He is real. And He says at some point in your life, you need to receive that love. You need to accept that forgiveness and to place your life under His. You can do that in this very, very moment. Just the voice of your heart to the God who hears all. To the God who hears you. And so in just a moment, I'm going to pray. But if you've never responded to the fact that the story of God is not that you love Him, but that He loves you, would you do that today? Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to be the kind of people that are marked by love, inspired and taught by Your love. But Lord, I, I want to make sure that the people who hear your word today, to hear this conversation about love, that they have taken that most important step to say yes to your love, to your forgiveness, and to your leadership in their lives. So at this moment, Lord, I pray that their heart would just speak to you and to receive you in that profound way.